to a much larger arena, earning him international renown as well as a fair amount of notoriety and some new enemies. The relationship between Algeria and France more than 50 years after independence is a minefield. And by retelling the story of France's most famous pied noir writer, he's stepped directly into it, I might add with his usual abandon. Shortly before I met him last January in Oran, he'd come under a death threat issued on Facebook by an obscure cleric who has since aligned himself with the Islamic State. It would have been easy for Kamel to move to France, as many Algerian writers in the past have done, but he's refused to budge. As Ishmael Reed once put it, writing is fighting, and Kamel is nothing if not a fighter. Before we begin our conversation, please join me in welcoming Kamel Daoud to New York. A round of applause for Kamel Daoud. Actually, before we start our conversation, we're going to have a reading from the Merceau investigation by Chris Lewin, who is a familiar face at Symphony Space. He has read for Selected Shorts, Bloomsday, and the Thalia Kids Book Club. He gallantly offered his, to step in this evening when our scheduled reader was unable to attend. Chris has appeared with the Fight or Flight Aerial Theater Company, the Marin Theater Company, and the Goodspeed Opera House. Chris? Mama's still alive today. She doesn't say anything now, but there are many tales she could tell. Unlike me, I've rehashed this story in my head so often, I almost can't remember it anymore. I mean, it goes back more than half a century. It happened. And everyone talked about it. People still do, but they mention only one dead man. And they feel no compunction about doing that, even though there were two of them. Two dead men. Yes, two. Why does the other one get left out? Well, the original guy was such a good storyteller. He managed to make people forget his crime. Whereas the other one was a poor, illiterate God created apparently for the sole purpose of taking a bullet and returning to dust. An anonymous person who didn't even have the time to be given a name. I'll tell you this up front. The other dead man, the murder victim, was my brother. There's nothing left of him. There's only me left to speak in his place, sitting in this bar, waiting for condolences no one's ever going to offer. Laugh if you want, but this is more or less my mission. I peddle offstage silence, trying to sell my story while the theater empties out. As a matter of fact, that's the reason why I've learned to speak this language and to write it too. 
so I can speak in the place of a dead man, so I can finish his sentences for him. The murderer got famous, and his story's too well written for me to get any ideas about imitating him. He wrote in his own language. Therefore, I'm going to do what was done in this country after independence. I'm going to take the stones from the old houses the colonists left behind, remove them one by one, and build my own house, my own language. The murderer's words and expressions are my unclaimed goods. Besides, the country's littered with words that don't belong to anyone anymore. You see them on the facades of old stores, in yellowing books, on people's faces, transformed by the strange creel decolonization produces.